This is episode 152 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. I'm excited to share today's Two Birth and Beyond episode, which is a recording of a recent Instagram Live I did with Dr. Kate Gerster, who is an OBGYN here in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. And she answers your COVID questions related to pregnancy, birth, and early postpartum. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may have heard our original chat back in spring of 2020, and since then, so much has changed, so we decided to do an updated episode on this topic. If you're pregnant, planning to be pregnant, or know someone who is, this is a key episode to listen into. As always, we love hearing from you. I hear daily from my physio clients and Jess hears from her coaching clients how different pregnancy, birth, and postpartum has been during COVID times. Send us a DM on Instagram at Two Birth and Beyond Podcast and let us know how are you doing navigating these stages of life right now. All right, let's jump into today's episode. I'm excited to have part two of the COVID Q&A. Um, all about pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So this is part two because actually Dr. Kate Gerster, who is an OBGYN here in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, she joined me back in the spring for part one. And because things have changed a bit since then, she's coming back on for part two. And if you're new to my page, my name's Anita Lambert. I'm a pelvic health and orthopedic physio with a focus on pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery. And just a reminder too, similar to part one, um, any information that Dr. Gerster provides is general information. Really, we wanted to do this to, you know, help give you some questions to talk to your care provider about. Um, and the answers will differ depending on where you live in the world where you're planning to give birth, um, who your care provider is, and that. So just keeping that in mind. And hello, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm so glad this worked out for part two. Me too. Yeah, no, there's been, uh, I know a lot of people have had questions about updates with what's going on since the spring. And it does feel like years ago. I know you had posted about that. It does feel like a while ago. So why don't, before we jump into question one, for people who may not have come on part one, um, could you kind of introduce yourself and share with everyone what you do and, and yeah, a bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Kate Gerster. I'm an OBGYN and I work in Peterborough in Evolve Women's Healthcare with my practice partners, Dr. Delaire and Dr. Packingham. Um, and for those of you who are local, you know that we are three of seven obstetricians at PRHC and have been, um, I don't know, 
persevering through the pandemic for uh, for as long as as everybody now um, finding our footing in terms of how um, pregnancy and birth and postpartum care has changed. Oh, yes. So, Amanda, so we're actually both in Canada. So we're in um, Peterborough, which is within the province of Ontario. So it may be different. So if you're in the U.S., as I talked about off the, the top, you know, check with your care provider. This is really, you know, to give you ideas of questions to potentially ask your care provider or, you know, find out about where you're planning to give birth. Because um, depending where you live, um, the answers might be a bit different, but we thought it's just helpful to get some general information out there. So why don't we start with question one? So this person asked, so was planning to get pregnant in the next few months. Is this not recommended? I don't want to wait any longer, but don't want to put baby at risk. Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of people feel that way that, you know, on the face of it, it's like, ooh, getting pregnant in a pandemic, is that a great idea? But also we know that it's a time-sensitive decision for a lot of people. There isn't a straight answer to that question. So we are gathering new information every day in terms of, you know, what are the risks to baby if you get pregnant and get COVID? And what are the risks to mom if you get pregnant and get COVID? And so far, it seems to kind of be, they're not zero, but nor are they necessarily as high as we see with some other viruses like the flu, for example. There doesn't so far seem to be an increased risk of things like birth defects. If women get COVID in pregnancy, it doesn't seem totally obvious. I say obvious because there's some conflicting data, but there certainly is not a consensus on whether women get sicker if they get COVID in pregnancy. At this point, we're kind of thinking, Probably not. It's just also new, which is why I sound very hand wavy and can't give anybody overly straight answers. Um, for the most part, you know, my patients who are obviously pregnant in the pandemic, of which there are many, we tell them follow the same precautions that everybody should be following, you know, masking and hand hygiene and staying, you know, in your bubble as much as you can and minimizing unnecessary outings and getting your flu shot because definitely helps to not get other viruses on top of COVID. Um, but I think, you know, for your, for your average woman who's pretty healthy at baseline, I'm not really discouraging pregnancy at this point. I'm just saying, you know, this should be part of the decision-making process. Uh, no, that's great. I know there are a lot of people wondering about that and things have maybe changed since when we first chatted back in uh, uh, early spring. It's been going on for longer. Like I think when we thought maybe this would be a few months, it made more sense to press pause on a lot of things. But now that it's become clear that, you know, this isn't going away, sadly, as quickly as we might have liked, in some ways, life still has to go on. Mm-hmm. The next question was, so with new lockdowns happening, will prenatal appointments start back to mostly over the phone versus in person? I'm in my second trimester and I've had all of my appointments in person up until now. It's going to really depend, I think, where you are. Um, here in Peterborough right now, because our numbers are not as high as some places, um, we are still doing a fair number of appointments in person. There certainly are aspects of prenatal care that you just can't do over the phone. It's really hard to do. I mean, some people do their own blood pressure. It's hard to measure your belly. It's hard to listen to baby's heartbeat. It's hard to do ultrasound over the phone. Um, so there's always some degree of in-person visits. 
I would say right now at Evolve, we're doing most of our visits in person, but we are, you know, pretty happy to work with people who would prefer to do fewer in-person visits and do a little bit more over the phone. I have some patients who live a little further out of town and they're like, well, if I see my family doctor and they do my blood pressure, can I call you and we'll check in by phone? And so we're, you know, cobbling together some different care plans depending on people's needs and preferences. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, yeah, depending where people are, because now even where we are in Ontario, Mm -hmm. um, which is a large province, there's definitely differences with lockdowns and what is going on. Um, And also, too, because a lot of people are just joining, let us know if you are pregnant, where are you in pregnancy? And also, where do you live? So the next question, you did talk a bit about this, but part of the question is a bit different is, I'm in my third trimester and wondering if there are any extra precautions I should take. I heard it may be recommended to be off work by 35 weeks, whereas I had originally planned to be off at 39 weeks. Yeah. So we are not specifically recommending going off work at 35 weeks, but nor are we discouraging it. Um, The idea behind the 35-week mark was if somebody went off work at 35 weeks, you could then isolate for two weeks, at which point you'd be 37 weeks, which is full term. And the thought was that that would result in most or at least many pregnant women being lower risk of actually having COVID at the time of delivery. Because having COVID at the time of delivery complicates your care, it changes risk for baby, it changes number of people you can have with you and things like visiting baby in the nursery if baby needs to go to the NICU or anything like that. So obviously best avoided if possible. And that was the rationale. Um, Early in the pandemic, some people were going on sick leave in order to have that isolation time. Employers are all different. We're finding now that most employers are not giving sick leave for people who are not sick but are trying to avoid getting sick. Um, And so we're kind of suggesting to women, look, this is a reasonable and a conservative thing to do, but that might mean, you know, if, if starting your mat leave early is a deal breaker for you, we also don't think it's outrageous to continue to work as long as you're being careful with your PPE and your general um, infection control practices. Yeah, no, I I think that makes sense. And depending, I'm sure what your job is and that kind of the level of risk within that. And this question was from someone who actually is 35 weeks pregnant and she had just tested positive for COVID. She's wondering what's the likelihood of it being passed on to baby? So right now there is no compelling data to suggest that babies can get infected in utero. If you still have COVID at the time of birth, like if you happen to give birth in the next week, for example, then baby could potentially get COVID by just normal contact, breastfeeding, snuggling, that sort of thing. But so far, there's no good data to support transmission of COVID across the placenta. Babies get it after birth. They don't get it in utero. Yeah, and that can be um, something helpful. I think people, you know, often have this idea or question in the back of their mind of, yes, what if I test positive at the time of labor? Because you did mention there will be differences in terms of care. Um, Can you share a bit about what those differences might be? Yeah, so people who test positive for COVID at the hospital have more limitations in terms of visitors. Um, So it may mean that you can't have the same support people at birth as you were planning on. Um, Just very simple stuff, like the hospital staff are going to be wearing way more gear. (laughs) which is 
you know, we'll still provide the same great care, but it doesn't feel kind of as warm and as nice. There is some data to suggest that if you have COVID at the time of labor, there might be a small increased chance of C-section. Um, we'd be watching baby closely. And then the biggest thing is really if baby need to go to, needed to go to the NICU for any reason, COVID positive moms are not allowed to go to the NICU. And that's, it, it sounds terribly cruel. I know it. And my heart goes out to those moms that aren't able to go visit their babies. It's to protect the other babies in the NICU from getting COVID. And how, what would um, after birth care look like as in like, how long would they be in the hospital? I mean, it can depend how birth would go as well, but anything specific to do with being COVID positive? I can't think of anything. It would really just depend on, you know, whether it was a straightforward or a complicated birth, whether there are any complications for mom or baby, and how sick mom was with COVID. Like if she had a, a milder case of COVID and it kind of felt like a bad cold and, you know, she wouldn't otherwise be in hospital, then there wouldn't be any reason for her to stay any longer than any woman who had just given birth. A question came in. Should my husband and I plan to self-isolate for 14 days before our expected due date? It's, it's very conservative. I would say that's more conservative than most people are being. I'm not going to say no, because anything you could do to minimize the chance of COVID is obviously positive, but you do have to weigh that against, you know, what are the costs um, personally, economically, potentially of the two of you doing that. Yeah. A lot of people have this question in general of what do I actually need to take to the hospital? <laughs> this person is wondering too, like, are there differences now with COVID? Like, what do I actually need to bring with me? I don't know that I would say that what you need to bring is really, really all that much different other than your mask and your support person's mask. Your baby does not have to be masked. <laughs> um, Otherwise, you know, you need your car seat. It's great to bring kind of some comfy clothes, um, snacks. Actually, snacks are a big one because we are still asking people to minimize going in and out of labor rooms. Um, and labors can, can last different amounts of time. So particularly support people and partners, not a bad idea to bring a bit of a cooler or kind of really make sure you've got, you've got things to eat. You as the pregnant person do get food as long as you're a patient in hospital but partners and other support people do not. Yeah, good, good, uh, good tip. Bring a lot of food. Food is key. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so this person, and I'm not sure where this person is located because I know this can differ, but they asked, do I need to wear a mask when in labor? It seems to differ between hospitals. So we certainly ask that women come in with masks on and as much as you're able to keep your mask on, especially in the early part of labor, um, that's appreciated. We're not enforcing masking for laboring women, particularly in the pushing stage. Partners, absolutely. Partners and support people, yes, please, to masking, you know, the whole, the whole time. Um, but it's a little bit more flexible for laboring women. Especially, yeah, with pushing, but just with the breathing and everything involved, that's helpful that that is flexible with that. Can you bring your baby home with you if you have COVID or if your spouse has COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Like if your baby's otherwise um, ready to leave the hospital. Um, yeah. We don't, we don't keep babies in the nursery because their parents have COVID. We just encourage, I know I'm going to sound like such a broken record, but <laughs> hand hygiene and masking and, you know, breast hygiene if you're breastfeeding.
um, bottle hygiene if you're bottle feeding. But no, that would be so awful to, to keep babies away if the parents were, you know, sick but able to be at home. Mm-hmm. As someone asked, so right now I'm able to have my husband and my doula at my birth. Is there a chance I'll only be able to have my husband there? I'm due in February. Again, I'm not sure where this person lives, so I know that might depend. But um, regardless yeah. of where you live, things are things are changing fast. So right now, we support people at the hospital in Peterborough for laboring women. But I can't guarantee that that won't change by February, especially if our numbers go up. I know, you know, as as much as it's safe to do so, it is really a a priority for the hospital administrative staff to support people having partners and support people there during labor. Like we all know how important it is. There's great science to support having that one-to-one non-medical support person with you. Um, So we don't want to have to narrow the rules in terms of of visitors, but I can't guarantee that that won't happen if our numbers go up. And then there were quite a few questions that came in about um, after baby in regards to family and visitors. So to kind of narrow it down, how should we have our families or other visitors prepare for meeting baby? Some people are quite stressed about this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to assume we're talking about once you're all home from the hospital. Honestly, the safest thing is not as much as possible, other than, of course, virtual visits and and things like that. A, right now, public health is recommending that people don't socialize outside of their immediate households. Um, But even, and and I admittedly, I'm kind of conservative here, uh, but even pre-COVID, babies under three months, if they get a fever, even if it's just your basic cold, generally need to go to the hospital and have a spinal tap to make sure that they don't have a more serious infection. Um, So even pre-COVID, I am someone to be kind of wary of, of too much kind of visiting and passing baby around and kissing baby and that sort of thing, especially in this day and age, you know, I don't, I don't want to take my baby to the hospital if I don't have to. That said, you know, support people are important at home just like they are at the hospital and your sanity as a new mom in isolation is important or, or an experienced mom, but with a new baby. Um, and so I think it's, it's gotta be a pretty, um, individualized decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. And it's hard. I think it's really hard even without COVID involved. If you're someone who wants to have that time after baby is home and you just want to settle in as a family yourself, I know with us, that was something with both our kids and that was pre-COVID. That was very important to us to have at least a few days to a week to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We talked to family well ahead of time and laid it out. This is our preference so that they had time to digest it and they were all respectful of it. But I know it can be challenging depending on your family. Throw COVID under the bus. I tell people all the time. Yeah. But when a lot of visitors in the hospital in particular, I mean, this is pre-COVID when people had the option of more visitors, but like, we'll like throw us under the bus. Be like, oh, I would, you know, oh, I'd love to have my mother-in-law there. But the obstetrician says I should only have so many visitors. Like I'll happily be. If you need to use COVID as an excuse to be like, you know, we're just going to enjoy being our family and, you know, being our own little bubble for a while, by all means. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great. That's helpful for people to, to know about. Also, a question came in regarding of when a vaccination for COVID is available. So I know this 
isn't something currently, perhaps you've already come up, come across this question is, so will there be recommendations or are there recommendations yet on women getting vaccinated for COVID while pregnant or trying to get pregnant? We just don't know. Um, the vaccines are all still in early stages. Most vaccines, and I don't have any particular knowledge about the COVID vaccine, um, just in general, most medical research does not start with pregnant people um, out, of, out of safety concerns. And so my guess is that when the vaccine kind of really gets out there, they're going to say, oh, we didn't study it on pregnant people. So we can make this educated guess about what the safety is going to be in pregnancy, but we can't guarantee that it'll be safe. Um, that's my guess. <laughs> I might be wrong. And then I think it would be a question of, you know, your, your risk of actually getting COVID and how you would weigh that against the unknown quantity of the vaccine. And that might weigh out quite differently for somebody who, you know, is in a green zone versus a red zone. Um, and, you know, what you do for work and how often you're exposed to people with COVID and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's super helpful and helpful for people to think about, you know, ahead of time before anything actually is available. Thank you for answering all those. I know those are super helpful, regardless of where people live, just to get that general information. And again, that this is going to give you, you know, maybe questions you hadn't thought about that now you can ask your care provider or about the location you're planning to get birth. So that looks like all the questions for part two. Thank you so much for, um, for sharing your expertise. My pleasure. Awesome. Have a good night, everyone. You too. Take care. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 